0: Welcome to Geek Five Live. Welcome, welcome, welcome to an all new episode of Top Ten. Uh, This is going to be a really fun one guys. Uh, Today's episode is centered around top 10 best villains in superhero movie history. Uh, That does include Netflix because a lot of people get confused. I consider Netflix to be uh, those TV series as far as Daredevil and stuff. I consider them to be like movies more so than episodes which is pretty much what they are. Because um, I always binge watch it, so I never watch it one day and then another the other. I watch it all in one, so it's like a movie to me. But anyway, I am um, introducing our panelists. Leo, what's going on? Hey, 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 what's up, y'all? Ready to talk some villains in superhero movies and Netflix. Oh, my goodness, I can't wait to dive in. There's so many good ones. It's going to be, it, it's it's really tough. There's There's good ones when you think the entire spectrum. I had to tell because uh, Twitter was exploding with our list from last week. Um, you know, for anyone who listens to the show, as you guys can see, it's not easy. Uh, you know, certain people getting left off, you know, certain people that maybe others think shouldn't be on there. It's not easy at all. It it, it It's very difficult. And we try to make the most perfect list that we can. But, um, Leo, told Gerald calls in, which hopefully will be in a few seconds. Let's talk a little Black Panther. Oh, man. What did you uh just just very quickly, what, what were your thoughts on, on that movie? Oh, my God. Black Panther was the best Marvel movie, like Marvel solo movie to date. Like, I just, I can't think, to be honest, like Winter Soldier is a very, very close second, but this one was so good. You had an all-star, great, fantastic cast all around. Um, the ladies in Michael B. Jordan really steal the show. They're just their characters are charming, they're powerful, especially Killmonger. Um, very convincing, very powerful. Very you can empathize with his character, which is all, is, is very hard to do with a lot of the Marvel villains, um, save maybe Loki a couple times. Very hard to do with their villains, um, and I just oh, I enjoy every single element of this film. Definitely a nine out of ten. Yeah, I um honestly, this movie is a rare one for me. If it wasn't for the fact that there was uh, a point in that movie that I just really, really, really thought that movie might might take a turn for the worst, um, that took me away from making this a ten out of ten. Um, it, it was a really like low point of the movie that I felt like they could have just like maybe went over like very quickly, very quickly. Um, And they didn't, and I was just like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this. And then it ended so beautifully. So I I have to give it a a 9.5 out of 10. Um, Wow. Uh, The Dormelage, as you were um, alluding to, the ladies, they stood out, I want to say, almost more than the men did. Um, And it's crazy. Everyone that enjoyed this movie, do you know the last person people's, uh, the last person's name? people are bringing up because this cast was just so amazing, the actual Black Panther. Like, everyone's just talking about Michael B. Jordan, Dora Milaje, uh Angela Bassett, um, that no one's really talking that much about. It's a good situation to be in uh, because the movie was so great and everyone was so great that it's just like, all right, well, you were the, you were the main character. Of course, we love you, but, you know, let's give everyone else some love. You kind of get that same feeling, like he's taking a backseat a little bit. Yes, definitely. I mean, I think this is this is introducing a lot of the characters in this film. You know, it wants to it wants to put some emphasis on those characters because we're going to see T'Challa more. He's going to have a heavy role in Infinity War, as we as we have already seen in the trailers. So he, his time to shine is going to be there, and he has got it in this film. But let's also spread some of that love and joy for the other characters. We've got this flawless cast. I mean, gee, I can't think of one character that I was like, oh, whatever. I mean, even Agent Ross was uh, was had a good roles in this film. So, yeah, I wanted play to, for me. I wanted to ask you this because I know a lot of people because of the comics, so fair enough, I get it. But one thing we know is the MCU does not literally follow the comics. So I wanted to ask you this. Oh, excuse me. What is the likelihood that the Red Hulk, the Ross that we got in Black Panther, I could see it now in my head, the good guy complex, uh, something happens to where, you know, him working with the Avengers almost loses his, you know, he, he loses someone close to him or he almost loses his life. So he now has a different outlook on the Avengers. Um, or maybe he has a, uh, you know, uh, a, a riff with with Banner, and it makes him decide to want to do, uh, you know, go down the same route as Banner to become the Red Hulk. I just, I love Martin. Uh, I, it's not Martin Short. I was almost gonna say Martin Short. It's Freeman, right? Yeah, it's Martin Freeman. Okay, I, I don't know why I said Martin Short. Exactly. Um, I just want to see something like that for his character. Like his character becomes something big that we can see a lot more. Uh, you know, moving forward. Um, but w- what are your thoughts on that? Am I am I reaching, or, or would you like to see that character, maybe not even Red Hulk, but just become something else so we can see this character over the course of, I don't know, maybe two more times over the course of the next three or four films? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he let's not forget he did have a pivotal role in uh, the third act of Black Panther. So he was definitely a character that, he, you enjoy seeing like he was somebody who was like, okay, I would love for him to return. And even for him to take a bigger role would be great because while his role was pretty big, you know, he's not a powered hero or anything. It would be cool to see a a change in his character. I know that there already is a Thunderbolt Ross. um, So who knows what they're going to do with that character even, but Hey, I'd be fine with red Hulk or even just some kind of like power suit, like a Falcon type or something. Like, I'd be okay with anything, really, to get him a little bit more involved. Yeah, I mean, because he was, he was very instrumental. Well, not very, but he was, he was instrumental in Civil War. Um, and, you know, and now he was instrumental in Black Panther. So I wonder if his connection is going to be solely Black Panther or will we see him step into a bigger role? Because um, when it comes to the MCU, to me, there's nothing that happens, like, by chance. Like, oh, it just happened that we had two guys named Ross. Like, to me, when it comes to Marvel, uh, I always look at that and go, maybe there's something more to it. Usually, I'm always wrong, but, hey, you never know. Um, with, uh, actually, yeah, I'm, you know. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Um, Actually, it was crazy, because that's what I was thinking about Killmonger uh, the whole time with, even just in the trailers, just seemed like his motivations were so personally stricken. You know, I just I felt that connection. Absolutely. Very rarely do I fall for uh, a villain, uh, you know, and it takes really good writing for for anyone to even do that. But um, all right, so let's get into our top ten. We have Gerald here. What's going on, Gerald? <coughs> Not much, guys. So I'm late. I was looking for my headphones. All right. No problem, buddy. Let's get started. Um, all right. So, again, to the listeners that were just listening to us talk a little Black Panther and is now wondering why we're transitioning, the show is called Top Ten. So, we will be discussing the best villains in super, superhero movie history uh, today. Um, so, let's get into it without further ado. Uh, Leo, I'm going to go to you first. What supervillain makes it in at number ten? So I'm gonna go ahead and start the list with uh, Winter Soldier from Captain America. Winter Soldier. I may be putting him a little a bo- uh, little low here, but I just I felt his since he was brainwashed, his intentions weren't really there. I mean, you know, he was definitely a brainwashed Bucky. However, I just love that they introduced this villain that was like Cap's best friend. I mean, you know, he's Cap's childhood's best friend, and they're just they're they're so connected at that edge and that angle that I have to put Bucky on the list as Winter Soldier, um, from Captain America: Winter Soldier, just just because of all of that, all of their personal connections. You know, see, and that's a great, super take. powerful. Oh, exactly. That arm is 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 nothing to uh, take lightly. I, I'm gonna say this. Um, this is one of the characters that a lot of people on the page were were saying, uh, were bringing up a lot. I never saw him as a villain. And it was for all the reasons you just said. It wasn't his intentions to do any of what he did. He was brainwashed. And to me, I don't know if that makes a good villain if your intentions aren't your own. Um, I completely see where you're coming from. If Bucky's intentions were his own and the Winter Soldier completely, 100% believed in what he was doing in a heartbeat, i say, yeah, because Sebastian Stan killed that. I actually wanted Winter Soldier to last maybe another movie. That's how great he was uh, as a Winter Soldier. <laughs> oh. um, but to me, the, the reason why he didn't make it on my list at all, and let me just double-check it to make sure I'm not sounding a little hypocritical, um yeah, he's not on my list at all, and it was for that main reason. I didn't feel like he was an actual villain, and maybe that's that's on me. Maybe it's something about uh, Winter Soldier that I must have missed. Uh, so, Gerald, I'll go to you. Is Winter Soldier making on this list?
1: The crazy thing is I had him at number eight, so I would definitely say he belongs on that list for the simple fact. In Civil War, he was just a even though, like, I agree with you, like, his intentions wasn't his own, but damn it if he wasn't a good, you know, antagonist for that film. So he definitely belongs on the list. All
0: right. I am not one to argue with either one of you. Um, you know, uh, so Winter Soldier makes it in at number 10. Um, so, Gerald, who are you putting in at number nine?
1: Number nine, I'm going to go with Magneto for the simple fact he was the antagonist for maybe the last 10 years of, uh, you know, the X-Men franchise. So he definitely played a big part. So
0: I'm going to go with Magneto as number nine. All right. Before I agree or disagree, let me just be super clear on this. Um, If you guys want, uh, we can loop the characters together or or use them individually. So if you want to use both Ian McKellen and um, Michael Fassbender, you can, or you could use them separately. Like, for example, when you said Magneto, did you just mean in general or were you thinking of a specific uh, actor?
1: I was thinking of both actors, honestly, because... Even though it was two different actors playing the same character, the way they did it, it was just like you 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 watched like the movies that took place in like the sixties and seventies. You knew like you know Michael Fassbender's Magneto was gonna wind up turning into you know what's his name Ian Mc uh name? Ian McCall uh, older...
2: Ian McKellen,
1: like uh Magneto. So it's definitely both actors that portrayed that role well. So I just said Magneto because they're they're you know, they basically playing the same character.
0: Okay, so we're we're agreeing that that's what we're gonna do going forward with this list. If it's character, um, if it's a character that's portrayed by multiple actors, we're looping them all as one. We're in agreement. Well, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how you could do that with Joker though. Yeah, that that'd be a little more difficult uh, with Joker. Uh, but in that Maybe case, you Kate can just Kate. say. Yeah, in that, in that case, you can just say a specific one. Me personally, um, I wouldn't have a, a certain person in my list. But, all right, let's, let's, not, too, not, let's not go too far ahead. Uh, Leo, does Magneto make it in uh, at number nine? Oh, definitely. Um, I've, been, I've really actually enjoyed uh, Fatsbender's portrayal of Magneto a lot in First Class and Days of Future Past. I was just a fan of, oh, my God, I think that was, I I hope I'm not getting this one um, mistook for Apocalypse when his family dies. That was Apocalypse. Okay, so that, so even in Apocalypse, I enjoyed his performance critically. Um, So, yeah, belongs on the list for sure. All right, I completely agree. Michael Fassbender brought something to the table as Magneto that I didn't think anyone could do. I thought Ian McKellen would be one of those characters or one of those actors that take on a character that is just really difficult for anyone else to step in those shoes and do anything even remotely good with it. Um, But Michael Fassbender definitely stepped up to the plate and hit a huge home run with it. Uh, So I completely respect him for that. Uh, So Magneto makes it at number nine. All right. It is my turn. I am actually going to vote for... Let's see. All right, I'll start with this one. I'm going to vote for Jigsaw. Uh, and I know a lot of you guys are going to go, oh, no, I thought you said superhero movie. Yes. Jigsaw, I am referring to, uh, he went by the name Russo in Punisher's uh, series. Now, what made Russo special to me was the entire, like up until maybe episode five or six, all we were seeing Russo as was like a brother to Frank. They loved each other. Um, You know, they they always had each other's back in war. So at the end of episode six, when he gets in that car and, and you find out for the first time that he's not only dirty, but he's looking to help put Frank in the ground. It just, like, you're like, whoa, what? I didn't see that coming at all. And then just him maintaining, uh, killing that that cop's uh, partner, and then just how conniving he was just going forward. Uh, And I can't wait to see what they do with him as he becomes Jigsaw. Now we saw his face get all chewed up uh, at the end of the series. I can't wait to see what they do with this character Um, as he turns into Jigsaw. But, Leo, I'll go to you first. Uh, Do you believe that Russo, a.k.a. Jigsaw, deserves a spot on this list? Absolutely. And he was actually on my list, um, one of two Marvel Netflix villains on my list. Um, That last battle with Frank, I mean, it's just, its like you said, just that whole buildup of the fact that it's like you go from friends a, a guy that wants to put Frank in the ground, to actually battling Frank to put him in the ground, and Frank still sees you as his best friend Billy. It, it's like it's it's crazy, I and mean, he there's just so much on the line with that relationship that that itself makes it powerful, and not to mention how the I mean the actor that portrays him. Unfortunately, I don't know that guy's name, but just the guy who plays portrays him is even portrays him very well. Too. so I'm excited to see the jigsaw face come back and it, they didn't kill off Marvel didn't kill off a villain like they kept him around like he just lost his face and he gets to get, uh, gets to stay around just like we had kind of talked about earlier yeah, no listen that's shocking uh, that, that's huge for anyone who is truly a Marvel <laughs> fan because when you fall in love with the character <laughs> kill graves. Uh, they kill him. So it's like, all right, well, that was, uh, that sucked. Um, Gerald, do you believe that Russo, a.k.a. Jigsaw, deserves a spot on this list?
1: Absolutely. Um, that ending fight thing with him and, you know, Frank, when Frank was just bashing his face into that mirror, that was just a great fight scene. So the fact that Frank, put out so much hate and to bash his face into that mirror, let you know he was a great villain. So definitely, uh, he definitely deserves in the top 10.
0: Absolutely. I'll even go as far as to say this. I went with Russo to sell you guys on the idea of uh, Jigsaw being in the list, but Punisher, the Netflix series, isn't why I put Jigsaw on this list. Punisher Warzone is why I put Jigsaw on this list. I, I think I'm one of maybe, i take a wild shot in the dark, 30 people that think that movie is just phenomenal, top to bottom. I, I love everything about Punisher Warzone, uh, and I love the Jigsaw that we got from that movie. Um, so that was why I thought Jigsaw should be on here. But I wasn't sure if you both had saw or would have remembered his performance. I knew uh, the one from the Punisher series was more fresh and more recent. So I was like, all right, that's a safe bet. Because I didn't want to say Jigsaw from the movie, and you guys were like, I don't really remember him, so no. And then I lost the chance of getting him on the list at all. So had to go with the safe bet, and it worked. So good. Jigsaw <laughs> is on there at number eight. Um, Leo, I'll kick it back to you. Who's at number seven? <laughs> oh, man, I got to put another Netflix one there on there. Uh, Kingpin, definitely on the list. Um, just the fact that. He was conniving in the first season and even more so in the second. I mean he had control over the whole prison for gosh sake, so definitely kingpin um he was my second Netflix villain on the on my list. yeah, I completely agree with you, and honestly, again, here is another character um from Marvel whose intentions were well um you know as the first season yeah. went you know went forward you understood why he wanted the city to be rebuilt, uh, why he thought the city was a, a place that, that shouldn't continue to be what it is. Um, and it was just so well done. And then how conniving he was. Honestly, if it wasn't for the fact that there's so many other more fleshed-out characters, I'd even vote Wes to be on this list. Um, excuse me. The, uh, his henchman, well, not henchman, his right-hand man, That was just, like, carrying out everything for him. Uh, And so he was killed by uh, that horrible character. Uh, What's her name? Uh, Karen? Yes, Karen. Yeah, Karen. I thought he deserved the spot. I thought he deserved the spot on this list. But, yeah, you're completely right. Kingpin, amazing villain uh, for that Netflix series. Gerald, do you agree?
1: Yeah, for the simple fact, I'm just going to combine three different versions of Kingpin I love the the Michael Clark Duncan version. I love uh, the guy, Vincent, uh, I don't know his last name, but his version. And the Kingpin that I thought was, like, the most menacing one was from the uh, 1990s uh, Spider-Man cartoon. So definitely Kingpin third to be on this list, especially um, that scene in Daredevil. I don't know if it was, I think it was season one where, he uh, was, was taken out. This lady, uh, he really liked this, you know, this woman. He was infatuated with, and I guess one of his goons embarrassed him, and he smashed his head in with the car door, so that he, they showed a yeah, sensitive side of Kingpin, but they also showed that he can be a uh, like a menacing, you know, I'll kill you if you ever cross me and the ones that I care about type Kingpin. So he definitely deserves this list.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. That 90s kingpin was definitely nothing to play with. Uh, oh, oh, and you can definitely see that Vincent D'Onofrio kind of took from that kingpin. His his speech is very, very similar to it. Um, his, uh, you know, his I won't say mannerisms because it's kind of hard to compare animation and live action as far as mannerisms. But I will say his speech is very similar to that kingpin. So, you know. We got to get him on the show one day and ask him if, if, you know, he took anything from that 90s cartoon and put it towards the character that uh, we see today because you could definitely see some some similarities between the two. Um, all right, so we got Winter Soldier at number 10, Magneto at number 9, Jigsaw, uh, a.k.a. Billy Russo, at number 8, and Kingpin at number 7. Um, all right, Gerald, you're up. Who makes it at number 6?
1: Okay, my choice. I would definitely have to go. Mm. Mm, I would want to say Iron Man. Huh? Yes, Iron Man was a villain in that. Civil War. <laughs> he was a he was the villain uh, to me. He was the villain in Civil War, for the simple fact that it was basically. I understand. Like he he used his emotions. To get in the way of you know what the Avengers really stood for, he wanted the Avengers to be you know the same, but he wanted them to have rules. So the fact that he went up against Cap made Cap the uh, you know the pro, and then you know obviously Iron Man was the uh, you know antagonist. He was basically enforcing all the government rule and stuff like that. Where and it was basically, a, the the way I saw it, was an ongoing fight because um, Chris Evans' character, obviously Steve Rogers is like, you know, basically saying like, you know, you're a hypocrite because look at what he did in Iron Man 1, 2, and, you know, 3. He basically screwed the government and said, you know what, I'm the new, you know, You know, I'm the new nuclear deterrent. You don't have to use this, that, and the third. You know, I'm above the government. You can't have my suits and stuff like that. Now, he's like, well, you know, we have to be put in check. And you know, if you don't, basically, how I saw it was, if you don't stand with us, you stand against us, and you will be arrested. So, he he was the villain in my in in my sense. So I I put him at number six. He was a villain.
0: Well, I'll say this. As far yeah. as the story goes, Cap was a hundred percent the villain. Um Stark's only so what, reason Cap for was? supporting Yeah, absolutely. The the only well, think about it like this. What is what makes a villain? Selfish, uh selfish thoughts and selfish actions that in result not only get people killed, um, you know, but but ensue further uh you know, uh, actions as far as breaking apart things. Like, think about it. The only reason Cap went against everything that was going on was for Bucky. It wasn't even like he didn't think the idea of it was was right. It was the idea of he wanted to save his friend. The only reason Stark supported it was because people died, because like the Avengers couldn't keep things in check. You had Wanda, who couldn't control her powers enough to get that bomb away from any civilians. Um, you know, and, and it's just, you had Bucky that blew up an embassy to where T'Chaka died. Uh, turns out it wasn't him, but they didn't know that at that point. Uh, I would say whenever you have a hero versus hero, uh, there's never a clear cut winner or villain necessarily. Um, it, it's the equivalent of when Daredevil fought Punisher and like Punisher was killing people. That, that's an act of a villain, but we know he's not a villain. Um, you would say Daredevil was the hero in that situation. So I think it's the same thing. I wouldn't call <clears throat> excuse me, Iron Man a villain because his intentions were pure. It was the intentions of people are dying. And, you know, while we just sit back and enjoy our lives of being these really cool superheroes, like we leave a lot of damage. Like, you know, Age of Ultron. A lot of people died in that movie. Um, Battle of New York, a lot of people died in that movie. The events of Vienna, a lot of people died in that movie um so his his intentions were more pure. It wasn't like I'm selfishly trying to to do this, so it helps my bottom dollar. It was solely because uh anytime a parent confronts you and tells you you're the reason her child dead, it does do something to you, so his actions were more pure uh Leo, do you agree um yeah, I definitely gotta agree with that. Um, not to mention the one of my favorite scenes in the film was just when the woman like cut him off right after his speech and was like talking about um, how her her son am I, yeah it was her son had been killed yeah um, at, on one of the their adventures and it's like wow uh, just to see that all the damage is like you know changing lives every single t- like million, thousands and millions of lives wherever they go for the better or for the worse. Um, and sometimes it's for the worse. And that made Iron Man, that motivated Iron Man to say, well, we do need to be contained. It, kind of, it was almost a little bit humbling, in my opinion, for him to kind of say that. Because, I mean, his personality and attitude, he's not really about that most of the time. But he was like, look, guys, I mean, bringing it down to earth, we're, we're causing damage. So I, I kind of saw him making the right choice. Um, I know Cap, I mean, I, I think there is a little bit more behind it than just Bucky. I want to say that he just didn't want the government to be interfere, to interfere just not just because of Bucky, but also because he just wants to defend whoever he can. I don't know. I just, I don't think it was only because of Bucky only. Um, I think there was a few more motivations behind that. Making which wouldn't make me look at Cap as a villain either. So it's a little hard to say either of them are villains. Yeah, no, you're right. I think the way I was looking at it was more so um, not his sole reasons for being against it was Bucky. His reason for not wanting to hear out the other side was because the other side's bottom dollar was catching and ultimately, if necessary, killing Bucky. I think if Bucky wasn't involved, Maybe Steve um goes to that that news com- not news conference that um that that united summit, and he actually listens to why this is important why this is this is something that needs to happen um but I do agree with you uh, I actually just saw that movie again uh, a few days ago, so I should have known better than to to lead with what I was saying but um it it was definitely more than just Bucky, but I think if Bucky wasn't involved. Maybe, because remember, there was a point after Bucky was captured, Stark sat him down, and Cap had a pin in his hand. He was ready to sign off on the Sokovia Accords. It wasn't until Stark brought up that I have Wanda Kondo on house arrest that Steve was like, well, see, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I don't want. Um, but he was willing to listen, and he almost signed uh, his name on on the line. So it, it, it was almost a moment of that. Um, but I definitely wouldn't say – Stark was the villain in that scenario, Gerald.
1: So that's a no from everybody.
0: That'd be a no, as <laughs> the as <laughs> great oh, Randy okay. Jackson, as the great Randy Jackson would say, that's a no for me, dog. Um, <laughs> all right. So, so I'm gonna move on. We have to find ourselves a new number six. So I'm gonna move on to Ironmonger. I'm gonna vote for Ironmonger. That was another character, uh, quite like Russo that you thought was just on Stark's side, uh, played by the great Jeff Bridges. Um, not only did it turn out that he was studying Stark suit that he originally built over in Iraq or Afghanistan, I can't remember where they were exactly. Um Excuse me, but he also uh, was building a suit of his own uh, to not only take over Stark Industries, but to uh, gain power for himself. Uh, Leo, what do you think about Ironmonger making it in at number six? Oh, absolutely. And let's not even forget that he was a close friend of Howard Stark as well. I mean, he was a close friend to Iron, Iron Man's dad. This guy was almost like another dad for for um, Tony Stark I would say I mean just like an uncle like you know this guy was so close to him and for him to the whole time working behind his back to, con- to conceive a plot to defeat him try to defeat him in the end is just it's beautiful I always love the, vil- the villains that are their friend first and end up turning on them you don't even know nobody knows but they surprise everyone it's, it's great so definitely spot on the list all right, Gerald, do you agree? Um
1: I'm going to hit you with the golden buzzer with a yeah because for the simple fact when I uh, in my opinion when the final battle with uh Jeff Bridges' character and you know Iron Man, they were going at it, you could definitely feel the hurt and like uh like Tony cuz it was just like basically, you know, when my parents died, you became my father figure, you know, even though you were, you know, uncle to me, you were the next thing to a father. And now you're trying to kill me and take what my, you know, what my father built and what was supposed to be rightfully mine. So I definitely, definitely deserves to be on the list.
0: All right. Yeah. uh, I will say Stark has a very, uh, very tough time trusting people, Uh, Trusted Cap. Turns out Cap knew who killed his parents. Trusted Ironmonger. Turns out Ironmonger was trying to kill him. So not that best of a track record with trusting people. So he should probably uh, stop doing that. All right. So we got Ironmonger here at number six. So, Gerald, I'm going to go back to you for you to give us a number five. Number five, I'm going to have to go with Whiplash
1: for the simple fact he hated Iron Man with a passion. He hated Tony Stark. I believe it was because uh, Tony's father has something to do with firing his father or something like that. I haven't seen Iron Man 2 in a while, so I could be wrong, but I know it was something like Tony's family did something to whiplash his family, and that just caused him to hate the very essence of Tony Stark. So he built his own, you know, arc reactor and, and suit and basically terrorized him no matter where he was at. So he definitely deserves number five on the spot.
0: Um, I don't know, man. I, I do not feel as though that character was fleshed out uh, enough. I felt as though we could have gotten more. Um, I also felt as though that was the most anticlimactic in-fight uh, scene I have ever seen in a Marvel movie. That was like super boring. I remember watching that in the theater just like, there's no way I paid money to see Iron Man and War Machine on screen together take on Whiplash in a really, really, really cool uh, suit of armor for it to end like, Rhodey, give me your hand. I really hate it. You guys have no idea how much I hate that movie. Um, uh, almost a lot of everything of that movie. Um, mainly, I hate that that was the start of Black Widow's Spinning kick that now you see women use in, in action movies, every single movie now. Um, so I was, I also hate the birth of that. Um, but Leo, do you believe that Whiplash deserves a spot on this list? Um, no, not really. I I just to the bottom of it. I just didn't like Iron Man two that much, and I thought Whiplash was just a little bit of a lackluster villain. He had the opportunity to bring it out a little bit more. But it just never happened. Yeah, no, I completely nice. agree with you. They, um, they, uh, also, that was the worst, uh, no, let me take that back. Not worst. Not the person I would have selected to be, um, uh, my whiplash in, uh, can't remember the actor's name, Mickey Roar. Um, so just a lot about the idea of that. Uh, I had a problem with. Anyway, so that did not make it to the list. Um whiplash just could have been a way better villain. Uh I don't know if that was the writing of uh oh man, John Favreau or who who it was, but that villain could have been done a lot better than it was. Um, alright, so Leo, it is your turn. What is number what are you voting in for number five? For number five, I'm going to have to vote in Dr. Octopus from Spider-Man 2. Well, I guess it will be overall, because even the 1990s guy was a little cheesy, but pretty funny. Um, I really liked that character in the animated series. And I loved, I mean, I just, the Al- Alfred, um, I can't remember that guy's last name, but he just did such a good job as um, Doc Ock in, the, in Spider-Man 2. Like, he was almost to the T with the comic counterpart. So I just had to give it to him. Plus plus the fact that he's just another guy that hates Spider-Man. I I love me some Spidey, so got to go with Doc Ock. I agree with you. And the actor's last name is Molina, Alfred Molina. Um, And I completely agree with you. Um, I think we may have a... Uh, a, a talk at the end of this to where we switch things around, so he's up in at least that, uh, that top three, maybe. Um, so we'll we'll talk about that later on the substitution of that. Um, but yeah, no, I completely agree with you. He deserves a spot on this list. Uh, I don't really have much more to say. Um, he's definitely one of the best superhero villains in comic book movie history. Uh, Gerald, do you agree? Uh,
1: definitely, uh, only because... He had an honorable end at the end of Spider-Man 2, and the a simple fact, is he put Spider-Man through hell, like he really did, especially that <laughs> that train scene when he just I think he destroyed a track or he destroyed something with the train where the train wouldn't stop, and he he put Spider-Man through hell through that movie. But he definitely I think with when I topped my hat off to him, he had an honorable end. So. He definitely
0: deserves uh, number five. Yeah. So we have Dr. Otto Octavius, Doc Ock, at number five. All right, we're moving along here. All right, so at number four, I am voting for Venom. No, I'm just joking. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and vote for um, – <laughs> yeah, no, come on, guys. I would never do that. I'm going to go ahead and vote for Electra. Uh, not Electra in Season 2 of Daredevil, but Electra a.k.a. Black Sky, from The Defenders. She did an amazing job. Uh, she was originally like a, a mindless zombie for uh, a large portion of that, but once she gathered her, you know, once she realized, the, you know, what her actual life was before that whole ordeal of her dying and being brought back to life, uh, you know, her love for Matt Murdock and everything... And she embraced that a villain is just who she is. That was something she struggled with uh, in season two. It was just like, I'm a villain, but I love Matt enough to be uh, somewhat of a hero. Um, so in this, she just said, nope, I love you, but I'm still just a villain. And she completely embraced it. Uh, and I loved everything we got in that, I'd say, last two episodes of the season of Defenders. Uh, Leo, do you agree? Leah
3: Leah.
1: Oh,
0: sorry about that guy. Oh, you're good. Go ahead. Um yeah, I I you know, I can't put her this high, but I can see her on the list. So and to be honest, like I think I enjoyed I was one of the few people that heavily enjoyed like, the defenders enough to watch it a couple times. Um, I know, I mean, it wasn't my favorite one, but I, I did really enjoy that season. And I just enjoyed, like, how hard it was for Matt Murdock to fight her. So I want to put her on the list, but I can't put her at number four. So it's a no from me. Okay. Gerald, do you agree?
1: Um, it's kind of empty because... Uh, even though she was a pawn, yeah, you know, it was some tension between her and uh, Daredevil, but there was a greater villain, you know, in a defender. So um, I'm going to just be like Michael Jackson and moonwalk away from that one.
0: All right. No problem. <laughs> so now it's on you, Gerald, to replace it. Okay, so we're at number five or four? We're at number four.
1: Number four? Um, I'm going to have to go with Loki. For the simple fact, Loki has been an OG and been one of the main villains since, I believe, you know, the MCU has started. And he's really the god of tricksters and as we've seen in infinity war trailer he definitely turns his back well he never really fought for humanity but he does not care for anybody and he will serve Thanos. and most likely loki has a greater trick up his sleeve but that scene where we saw in the uh, original, I believe it was the original Infinity War trailer, he gives Thanos the Infinity Stone. Either he gave it to him because he didn't want to die, or he gave it to him because he wants to see the death of his brother and you know the rest of Avengers. So I'm going to have to give it to Loki.
0: Um, I'm going to kick it to you, Leo. I have Loki on my list, but not that high. I have Loki at number... 7 I think on my list um I have a huge issue with characters that are these huge villains in the comics and when they're translated to the uh live action screen um they go through a character development that brings a lightheartedness to them uh we saw that with with um Thor uh Dark World where um he saw the pain his brother went through when he thought he died. Uh, and Loki, you know, albeit till he decided to replace his dad at the end, uh, felt sorry about that. Uh, but he knew there was a, a bigger goal he wanted to achieve. And then Ragnarok, I mean, I will say I wasn't as high on Ragnarok as a lot of people are. I didn't like how less trickstery he became and more, I'll do whatever I need to do to help Asgard, my brother he became like that just, that was never important to Loki. Loki, Those are things that Loki didn't cherish. He didn't cherish Odin or, or, uh, or Asgard. He'd see it burn if he knew it would be the end of his father and, and, Thor. So I don't like that his character development turned him into somebody that seems like he might die a hero. Uh, I don't like that. Um, I would have preferred if in Thor Ragnarok, um, Maybe Loki teamed with Surtur or, or just something that was true to what we got in the first Thor and then in Avengers. Just someone who is just so ruthless and, and, and cutthroat that he'll do anything just to appease himself. I didn't get that from Thor Dark World uh, and Thor Ragnarok. I got someone who looks like they're probably going to kill him and he'll die as a hero, which I would hate. Um, but, Leo, I'm pretty sure you disagree with me and believe that Loki should be uh, at number four. Yeah, I definitely think Loki should be at number four because, like, as Gerald was saying, and you know, I was just in my mind, like, yep, that's Loki. And and I think we had talked about MCU changes earlier. I think that's one that I actually kind of like about Loki. Um I, I do like that he has transitioned a little bit into more kind of like an anti-hero but I will say I definitely yeah. think that he willingly gave Thanos the stone and that's why because he hates Thor like I don't I don't buy the whole oh Loki and Thor are going to exist as brothers like I don't I don't buy that so I definitely think he's going to give Thanos the stone and work with Thanos or just give it to him and just Tell him, like, you know, just get rid of Thor at all costs. Like, I I, I definitely got to go with yes. Loki is on the list. I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys. I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys. Oh, just before I go into that, Loki is at number four. Uh, I was outvoted, so he is definitely at number four. Um, But I will say this I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys, and this is not me knowing anything for a fact, just me guessing. Loki does not give the Tesseract willingly. Um, he took the Tesseract knowing that he could use it for his own purposes down the road. Uh, but when Thanos kills, what looks like is all of those Asgardians. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say Loki does it because that's the only way to save himself. And I I'd guess whoever is left, because remember Um, what's her name? Uh, Valkyrie is in... uh, uh, What do you call it? Um, Infinity War. Um, So is Hulk. So a lot of these people are in that scene that then get knocked out of space like Thor or knocked to New York like the Hulk. Um, So I do believe that Loki does give the Tesseract uh, with the idea of it'll spare these people, the the people left. It'll spare them. Um, But like I said, I... I could be completely wrong. He could still be, be this conniving character, but I don't like when characters that are that devious in the comics become somewhat of like an antihero. To me, that just rubs me completely wrong. Um, but all right, Leo. So we got Loki at number four. Who is your picks for number three? Uh, number three, I'd have to go with, hmm, had him a little lower, but Vulture. Um, his performance in spider-man homecoming was absolutely phenomenal um another villain in the mcu who i just i got attached to like and which is very rare which the another mcu villain that probably would top him but i would like to say for later i have one more um he just he does it for me vulture is he he was very convincing as Adrian Toomes, and I was I was almost on his side like I kind of understood where he's coming from I mean he was having his own biz- his whole business going on and doing his whole thing and Stark just came in and kicked him out so that's that's it Yeah no I I completely agree with you he was uh, again one of those characters that you look at and you go I kind of get why you became a quote-unquote villain. Like, everything was stacked against you. You had a legit job, a family that you were providing for, and out of nowhere, you know, here comes Stark again, and now your way of living has completely changed. So now you go a different route to providing for your family. So I I get it. I, I completely get it. And, man, did Michael Keaton completely capture and redefine a character that a lot of people laugh at. Um, no one's laughing at Vulture anymore um, And I loved it And I loved the scene at the end To where it looks like he's going to end up being Scorpion down the road Is you know telling him like Oh you know I heard that you know who he is And what I was thinking In the theaters when he didn't reveal Who Spider-Man was Is do you know how that would kill your Reputation in prison If people know that A, a, a 16, 17 year old uh, Beat you Even even if he had these these amazing powers, still, he's a kid, and you let this kid beat you, so I think that was it. And, you know, he wants to wait to when he breaks out so he can defeat Spider-Man himself. I loved it. I loved everything about his character. I loved that huge WTF moment when we saw that um, Peter was dating Vulture's daughter. And it was just like, wow, this is so uncomfortable now. (laughs) Like, Peter is just sitting there like, man, I know who you are, but I can't do anything right now. That was really awesome. And then when they had that dad moment in the car, uh, I thought that was just such great acting on on the part of uh, Tom Holland and Michael Keaton. Uh, But, Gerald, do you agree? Is Vulture making it at number three?
1: Gerald? Gerald? Leo? Can can you you hear hear me? My bad.
0: Um, Oh, I can hear you. Okay, go ahead.
1: Um... I was basically sitting here slapping my forehead because everything I wanted to say about the Vulture, you basically just took the words out of my mouth. So I was like, that that one car scene that I was going to bring up, you brought it up, and I'm like, damn it, Juwan. So Sorry. definitely a spot on No, good, man. Great minds think alike. So that means a spot on the list. Now.
0: All right, so Vulture Mason in at number three. So before we get into our final two, We have Winter Soldier at 10, Magneto at 9, Jigsaw at 8, Kingpin at 7, Iron Monger at 6, Doc Ock at 5, Loki at 4, Vulture at 3. And I'm going to vote it at number 2. Man, um, I'm going to go General Zod, Um, mainly because this is, again, another character whose entire way of living was completely thrown out. And, you know, he's being seen as a villain for wanting to do anything and everything possible to make sure that his people survive. Um, And I just thought, I think it's Michael Shannon is the name of the gentleman who played Zod in Man of Steel. I think he did a phenomenal job. I think his his reasonings were valid. And I think he defined uh, what it meant to be a true villain. I mean, he was willing to completely... uh, Destroy all of Earth and rebuild it in Krypton's uh in Krypton's image. So I just I I thought he did an amazing job, and I thought he killed it as General Zod. Um, Leo, I'll go to you first. Does Zod make it on this list? Yes, Zod does make it on the list. He is, man, he was actually really good. Keep or uh, wow, um, Michael Shannon, excuse me, was uh definitely a convincing villain who not only was very, I mean, was bent on rebuilding Earth into Krypton, he also felt that Clark should have been on his side. Like, he's right. like, you know, you're a Kryptonian as well. Like, why are you not, like, this is this is what we're supposed to do. And it's kind of, it's almost like a wake-up call a little bit for Superman. Like, wow, not all of my people were good. So I, I definitely got to put Zod on the list. Um the best, I mean, one of the best scenes in, I mean, in all of the DCEU for sure um, is Vod killed the people and he has to make the fateful decision to actually kill Vod. so yep, he's, I would say yes, for sure. Yeah, I completely agree with you, and right before I pass it to you, Gerald, um, what I loved about it was you had two sides that thought the other, like, was crazy for not siding with them, like Zod thought Superman was insane for not wanting the same thing that he did. Like, his world was stripped from him. Like, this wasn't like your typical villain who had his home but wanted to come take your home. Like, no, his planet was destroyed. So he's like, all right, well, I still have some Kryptonians that are alive. Where can we go? And then when you see Earth is a place that you can definitely uh, withstand and rebuild from, you want to wipe it out and rebuild it. You know, in your image, rebuild Krypton. And Superman's like, well, dude, I was born here. So, like, this is home to me. So you're trying to do what someone did to your home. So, you know, it was just really, really, really good to see how the two guys on each side were viewing things. And honestly, when you look at it, you kind of sympathize with both sides. But, uh, Gerald, do you agree? Um, Yeah, I do, for the simple fact, uh,
1: when the final battle scene between Superman and Zod... God basically, to me, in my opinion, showed the world, you know, what type of man Superman really was, and that was when um, it was basically like either you can save the people or you can kill me, but you can't do both. So he um, used his, you know, heat vision basically to try to kill these, you know, this, this group of, you know, family, and Superman had to snap his neck, which – my opinion, Zod won because they showed that the man is still can be broken, and you know at the end you showed that you know he basically kind of had a little broken moment where he didn't want to kill Zod, but he had no choice, even though in the comics Superman doesn't kill, but he I guess in overall he showed you know the world that yeah, you know you can't trust your Superman so and on top of that yeah. he came back he came back as you and, know. as another villain, another iconic villain and BVS, so he definitely gets my vote.
0: Yeah, and you know what? I just want to say this really quickly because uh, a lot of people forget this. Um, These characters that are quote-unquote against killing, Superman has definitely killed, I want to say, more than a handful of times in the comics. Uh, One that I can remember off the top Mm -hmm. of my brain is the way he killed, uh, the way he stop Doomsday was uh, lobotomy uh, and that killed him um, I'm trying to think of another way oh duh uh, ripped his arm through Green Arrow's chest <laughs> that was another way he killed someone so there, there are versions of Superman and not an alternate Earth Superman like the Superman that we know and love um, oh also he ripped the Joker uh, either he ripped him in half no 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 I'm sorry he ripped his arm through Joker. I think Oliver he punched him so hard, I think his chest collapsed or something like that. I could be wrong on that. But he ripped his arm through the Joker. Other way he killed a... No, he ripped his arm through Joker. I remember that vividly. Because I, I remember oh, yeah, reading yeah, yeah. that he ripped and his just arm like through Joker but then he ripped uh he ripped Oliver Queen's arm off. He did, but he he killed him because Oliver died. I just don't remember how he did it. But, but anyway, I think um, he, I think he bled the guy. Yeah, he ripped. Ripped there him are a off.
2: lot
0: of there are a lot of situations to where both Batman and Superman, the two guys that swear up and down they are above the idea of killing, there are a lot of storylines with both of them killed. So yeah, he killed so Doctor Light people, too in Trinity War. Yeah. I mean, because it just—it it bothers me, not to get too far off track, but it just bothers me when people go, I hate that Zack Snyder had Superman killed. Superman never killed. Yeah, I don't know what Superman you grew up on, which is probably the animated version, so that's why he never killed. But Superman in the comics killed, like I said, more than a handful of times. Um, it doesn't matter the reason, he killed. So, uh, but let's move on. Leo, you have the... Uh, The opportunity... Wait, you gave us Vulture, didn't you, Leo? Yeah, I did. Okay, so, Gerald, you are responsible for giving us uh, our number one pick. I have two of them, but I don't know which one to choose. So, um, Well, I tell you what. I tell you what, we'll do this. If we say no to the first one, I'll give you a chance to say the second one um, and let us vote on, on both. All right, so
1: my first pick for number one was Hela, uh, you know, um, Odin's firstborn, even though in the comics she is uh, the daughter of Loki. And uh, she was just an iconic villain in the, um, the MCU. Like, the fact that she took Thor's eyes, you know, she basically – she. Well, Loki killed, you know, Odin, but she wanted this throne. You know, she was the firstborn. She should have been promised the throne, and she thought in her head that she killed her brothers. She killed basically, I would want to say 80%, maybe even less than that of, you you know, Asgardians and stuff like that, all just because she wanted to, you know, to see that throne. So I would give her number
0: one. Um, I'm going to say, just really quickly to to clarify, um, Loki didn't kill uh, Odin. Odin just, just died. <laughs> there wasn't really a specific reason. He just, you know, he thought it was his time. Uh, I thought that was just, like, horrible writing for such an iconic character. Um, but Loki didn't kill him. All Loki did was just banish him to Earth. Um, he didn't kill him at all. Like, he wasn't stuck on Earth, like, Dying, um, as far as that scene that told us. Um, the reason why I can't put Hella at number one is because I don't feel as though she fleshed out enough. Um, right when you were starting to enjoy the character, is when she had that moment with her inserter. And, and then we assume she's dead. But I'll tell you this if Hella in that battle became death, uh, who is the love of Thanos, if she becomes that in Infinity War, we can revisit this list after Infinity War, and I would agree with you that she should be number one. Uh, but because we mm-hmm. didn't see enough, enough fleshed out of her character, uh, especially enough of her battling Thor, like we saw maybe, I want to say, a combined five and a half minutes of Thor versus Hela, um, and she didn't actually devise like a plan. Like it wasn't a plan. So there's just a lot about that character that I do not blame on the actress at all. She did an amazing job. Uh, she made me think twice about the idea of what Ella's supposed to mean in a good way. Um, but I just feel as though she didn't achieve the ultimate idea of being a villain, and that's just because of the poor writing. But I could be wrong. Leo, what do you think? You took the words right out of my mouth, man. I wanted to see her at death or at least see a, a hint. Or a tease of her death? Because, like, then it would be well, like, oh, her and Thanos now. What? Well, just really quickly, we might have gotten a hint. And it was, like, plain as day where she was telling Thor who she was. She was saying, I'm not a goddess. I'm not this. She goes, I am death. And when she said that, I was just like, all right, so did you just confirm that, <laughs> that you're going to become death for Thanos? So, it could have been something she was just using as a play on words, or it could have a deeper meaning. So, we might have gotten like confirmation right there in that scene. Uh, yeah, but I would have liked to have seen a little more, or at least gotten an actual confirmation, like a physical. I don't know. I agree. I didn't think it was enough. Um, but I, she does, I, I will say, she does belong on this list, but just not at number one. Yeah, she definitely deserves a spot on this list. I do. Yeah, I can't say number one. Uh, I may, I may see someone that I think we should take out and maybe put her in, but I couldn't put her at number one. So Gerald, uh, as a man of my word, what was your second pick?
1: Um, the all powerful Thanos, since the fact that all the movies been leading up to that final battle with him. Yeah. So, I
0: mean, no, I can't. I I can't say yes to that because we haven't seen him in action at all. Uh, He's either been sitting and turning around slowly or just sitting and talking. So I can't give him the greatest villain in superhero movie history when we haven't seen him in action yet. And as I rewatched that end credit scene of Age of Ultron, I didn't understand that at all when he said, fine, I'll do it myself. Is he insinuating like, He orchestrated the whole Ultron thing, and when it didn't work, he decided that it's time for me to do things my own now. Like, I I, I didn't get that. It it was cool in the moment. It's like, all right, this is dope. Thanos is putting on this glove. But now that I watch it back, it didn't make sense to me. But yeah, I can't give number one to somebody who hasn't actually begun his villainy. So we won't see, we won't actually be able to, to say anything regarding that till May 4th. Uh, Leo, do you agree? Uh, I think we'll have to revisit this after Infinity War because I just I, I agreed I want to see him. I, I just got to see him. I got to see him in action, I see him on the screen, what he's going to put forth. And and I want to see a little bit about his motivations, his intentions, and then I'll definitely, I mean, he might even become number one because, like you said, it was all leading up to this. If if as hyped as it is, as if, I mean, if it's as good as it's going to be hyped up as, then he might be number one. But for now, I can't put him as number one. Yeah, no, I agree with you. If we had seen him, like, just maybe even fight the Guardians for, like, five seconds, I could say, like, all right, yeah, I've seen him in action. You know, he, he's, he's been, like, a dominant force. He is so much of a villain that he's orchestrated things since back in 2012, and we're now in 2018. So yeah, I would give him that if we had seen him like actually physically do something, but since we hadn't yet, I don't think that's fair to whoever we decide is number one that actually had a full movie uh, already. Um, so I'm gonna kick it back to you, Leo, to tell us who you pick. You are picking for number one. Hmm, boy, this is hard. Um. Well, I know this just came out, but I'm going to throw Killmonger on there as number one. He was such a convincing villain, like, and probably the best Marvel villain to date. Like, and I want to say in combined, like Fox, uh, all of the MCU, just all of it. His motivations and intentions made me like him even more than the main character, which is entirely almost impossible for me sometimes because I'm always rooting for the hero. But this was, like, probably one in a few times where I was like, wow, I really want the villain to win, actually, and see what could happen, or at least to see, you know, him get away or something and come back and orchestrate something even bigger, because the actions that he took in the movie were huge and phenomenal in scale for only being in Wakanda for a couple of hours. Like, I got to put him at number one. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I have no arguments against that. Uh, I put him as number one. Also, I agree with you. I will say, though, um, somebody on this list has to come off because we left somebody out who I think has proved that he is one of the greatest to date villains ever. Uh, but we'll get into I that think in I a second. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think you do. Um, Gerald, do you agree that Killmonger – wait, Gerald, have you seen Black Panther? <laughs>
1: Um. Listen, I'm just just from the trailers, I already knew he was gonna be number one. So there's no argument with me.
0: But you haven't seen it yet.
1: Nope.
0: All right, you suck. Anyway, um. All right. So we have we have a completed list. Give me one second. Let me go over it. Let me write Killmonger in. At number one. So at number one we have Killmonger. At number two we have General Zod. At number three we have Vulture. At number four we have Loki. At number five we have Doc Ock. At number six we have Ironmonger. At number seven we have Kingpin. Number eight we have Jigsaw. At number nine, we have Magneto and at number ten we have the Winter Soldier. I'm gonna go first and say I wanna take off the Winter Soldier at number ten and put in my man Killgrave. Uh, wow, did he define what it meant to be a villain. I mean, everything that he thought was right, uh, that the world knows to be just so wrong. Uh, There was an episode where he was telling Jessica, picture being born with these powers and telling someone to uh, get out of your face. And they literally do it. Like literally, like you're arguing with your mom and you're like, get out of my room. And she all of a sudden turns around, closes the door, and she's out of your room. So picture saying things that you don't mean literally, but because of your powers and you can't control them, they literally happen. So he was even going into the, the idea of, like, I didn't want to be what I am now, but so many things as a child has happened. And then you see throughout the season one of Jessica Jones what its parents did to him, making him, not making him into a weapon, but treating him as like a lab pet, um, or a lab experiment, rather, sorry, and just to see how how crazy this guy was. But that's because that's how he was made because of his parents. I just thought he was an amazing villain, and I think that that uh, police station scene is one of the most dopest villain scenes ever, to where Jessica Jones walks out with a cop, and every cop has either a gun to his head or someone else's head. And it was just like, whoa, this is insane same. Uh, so, Leo, I'm going to go to you first because I believe Winter Soldier was your pick. Would you take Winter Soldier out to put Kilgrave in? Yeah, definitely would. Um, for the simple fact that I really didn't like Jessica Jones that much, but I love Kilgrave, and that was uh, the redeeming part of the series for me. So, yep, I'll, I'll definitely scrub Winter Soldier for Killgrave. All right, perfect, Gerald. Do you agree? Uh,
1: yeah, no arguments here. He was, he was a, he was a great villain for the simple fact. I love the the um, psychological things he did to Jessica Jones. So he he definitely deserves a spot on our list. So yeah,
0: he can replace uh, Bucky. All right, so we have Winter Soldier out and Killgrave in. Leo, I will go to you. Is there anyone in this list that you want to take out and replace with someone else? Um, can I get another read of the list? Absolutely. Excuse me. Uh, Kilgrave at number 10. Magneto at number 9. Billy Russo, a.k.a. Jigsaw, at number 8. Kingpin at 7. Iron Monger at 6. Um, Doc Ock at number 5. Loki at number 4. Vulture at number three, General Zod at number two, and Killmonger at number one. Uh, I want to put Hella in number six in place of um, Ironmonger. Um, um for our conversation ahead, earlier, but just for our conversation earlier alone, I mean it. It's like you guys said, Hella was a great character on screen, and the fact that I don't—I mean, I don't know about anyone else, but I don't believe that she's dead yet and she, I was going to have a much more pivotal role and to see what's to come makes me excited. So i got to put her on the list. Yeah, no, that's a really good pick. Uh, Gerald, do you agree? Are you taking Iron Monger out for
1: Hela? Crazy thing is, though, I was going to put Hela on the list when it came to me, but, you know, he beat me to it. So I have no uh, complaints about
0: it. Alright, so Hella has replaced uh Ironmonger. Gerald out of this list, would you take anybody out to put someone else in? Um this is
1: a really good list. I would take out um
0: wait.
1: Do do uh one through six for me real
0: quick. Killmonger, General Zod, Vulture, Loki, Doc Ock, and Hella in order of one to six. I would take
1: a doc ock for venom if I could.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're not talking about Tom Hardy's Venom, right? No. God no, why Hero, would I do that? Hold on. I haven't well, seen am F- wondering F- why I'm wondering why you're trying you're trying to take Topher Grace's Venom and put him in a list over Ock I'm not Hardy. picking Topher Grace's serious? Venom either. No,
1: what
0: I'm, other venom so was there? Um, Spider Man, nineteen nineties uh, TV show. No, thing? no, animate, nope, no animated, no animated. Is it's movie, no animated? movie or Netflix series. Ah,
1: uh, I, I the, the list is complete then.
0: Listen, man, you almost made me go insane. I thought you were trying to put Toaster Grace <laughs> in, this, in this damn list, man. <laughs> I was so ready to hit this hang-up button. You have no idea. Um, Oh, I was crying on the other end. Wow. All right, so I'm going to name a few people that are an honorable mention, and you guys tell me if you think they should be in this list. Uh, I'm going to go Cottonmouth. I'm going to go Red Skull. I'm going to go Ronan. I'm going to go Ego. I'm going to go Lex Luthor from BBS. I'm going to go Ultron, and then I'm going to go Abomination. Uh, out of that list, do you guys think any of those characters should be in this list? i go with you, Leo. Oh,
2: There's ahead, a lot Leo. of
0: options. Um, let's see. There's Red Skull, Ego. Who else? I'm sorry. I, I kind of lost track. No, that's fine. Let me go through the list again. Red Skull. Ronan, Ego, Cottonmouth, Lex Luthor, from BVS, Ultron, and Abomination.
2: Hmm. Man, see, Cottonmouth.
0: Um, I would put him on the list if he had lasted longer. Um, I, I wasn't the biggest well, fan I, of Red Skull. I think didn't What's Cottonmouth that? last like didn't Cottonmouth last like was it six or seven, maybe eight episodes? I thought he was killed off in like the fourth one, fourth or fifth. No, no, because I think because usually when they make uh, because you got to split it in half. There's usually only like twelve episodes, I believe. Um, so usually I think around Luke Cage was only six. ten. Luke Cage was only ten. Yeah, I thought that was only ten episodes. Season Here, one. let me check. Keep keep talking. Let me check. Um, I will say that I, I wish that Cottonmouth had a lot more I don't know, I just I, I just hated Diamondback so much that I wish he would have just lasted the whole time or had been the Diamondback all along um, so I can't put him on there I think I want to yeah. sub in Ego somewhere for the sheer fact that it's like, wow, I've never seen my father, here he is he's this pretty amazing guy he has a planet but He's the one that killed my mom. Like, that was just such a – and at the same time, I've had this other dad in front of me the whole time. Like, just that whole relationship makes me want to put him on the list somewhere. Um, who do we have at number eight? Billy Russo. Yeah. I don't want to get rid of Russo. Let me say this really quickly before you make your decision. I uh Luke Cage actually was thirteen episodes <clears throat> excuse me. Oh and okay. yeah. I'm looking at I'm looking at the character description and he's still alive um in episode seven. So I would assume he dies in either episode eight or episode nine. So he did last for a majority of this season. Just putting things into proper perspective in case you're looking for a reason to put cotton mouth in there. Nah, because I, I, I almost wish the roles were reversed. Okay. So you you want to take out Billy Russo to put who in? No, 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 not Billy. Um, who, and we had Hell Essex. Uh, that's such a good list, man. Nah, I'm going to go ahead and keep him in the honorable mentions. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I'm good. Let me See. let me look at this list again man chao is a, is a good friend of Geek Vibes and I hate that we couldn't get uh cottonmouth on here um ego I'm gonna say no Ronan really good villain but I'm gonna say no red skull loved red skull the only thing I loved about that first captain America movie um <laughs> but yeah I don't. I don't see how I take anybody out. Billy Russo, to me, makes it in strictly and strongly because I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. Like Ultron, you knew it was coming. Abomination, you knew it was coming. Lex Luthor, you knew it was coming. Uh, Ronan, you knew it from the beginning, and so so, so was Red Skull. Ego caught me off guard also, but I hate that movie. So I I I, I can't wow. take anyone out to put that in. I really despise that that second movie. Um, <laughs> what was I to say? Um, yeah, Zod, Killmonger, Vulture, Loki, Doc Ock, Hella, Kingpin, Jigsaw, Magneto, Kilgrave. I think we have a completed list, guys. I think we have a complete. Do we wanna? List. Do we want to talk about order? Yes, we can talk about order. And since we have so much time left, once we figure out order, we can then work on taking five of these out. Um, All right, so I'm going to make sure you guys are paying attention. If you need to write it down, write it down. Uh, I'm going to go through the order that it's in right now, and then you can tell me what you want to swap for what. We have Killmonger at number one, General Zod at number two, Vulture at number three. Loki at number four, Doc Ock at number five, Hella at number six, Kingpin at number seven, Jigsaw at number eight, Magneto at number nine, and Kilgrave at number ten. Uh, Gerald, I'm going to start with you. Would you? What characters would you switch as far as the order?
1: Honestly, the order is great, but the only two characters I would switch, I would switch Doc Ock to six and Hella to five. 'cause that top five would just be perfect
0: uh Leo, are you agreeing with that uh i just i love doc Ock's just honorable end, and just the fact that even though he's not a god, all the damage he did to Peter Parker was pretty pretty high um i I want him to stay at number five. Yeah, that that role to me is is that that's etched in the uh, the legacy books of how amazing Alfred Molina was as Doc Ock. Um, Hella, like I said, if she turns into Death in Infinity War or even in Avengers Four, that character to me would pay off a lot more. Um, but Doc Ock to me is like a classic. I, I can't take a classic out of top five because then it wouldn't be classic. Um, So I'm going to vote against it and say uh, Doc Ock stays at number five. Um, Leo, which order are you switching around? Um, I almost want to swap Vulture and Doc Ock. I want Doc Ock to be number three and Vulture to be number five. Um, For the simple fact Mm. that Doc Ock is just, legendary like that, he made Spider-Man 2 one of my absolute favorite superhero movies as a whole of all time. Um, So i got to throw him in my top three and put him up in the number three spot, Vulture down in the number five, maybe even move Loki to number five and put Vulture above Loki. I think I want to do that. All right, so let's see. Um Gerald, are you okay with vulture with Doc Ock being 3, vulture being 4 and Loki being 5? Sounds good to me. Top 5 seems strong. You know what's funny, Leo, as I'm looking at this list. Excuse me. I kind of remember you telling me a certain somebody was your favorite superhero. And it's funny how your favorite superheroes uh top two biggest villains or most iconic villains happen to be in our top five <laughs> greatest superhero villains in movie history. I find that to be a little a little uh a little a little funny. A little funny how that turned um. out. Um, but hold on one second before you go, uh we do have a special guest, a good friend of mine, uh Chris Chris, what's going on? What's up
2: guys? Can you hear me? Yes, we can. How you doing? Hey, what's going on, guys? What's going on? Um, I've been listening to you, man. I'm not going to stay on long accident because my son and I are watching this uh, All-Star Saturday Night Basketball thing. But I've been enjoying the conversation, man. I've been listening while we're watching. And you guys, the list is great. Um, I can't really argue with the list um, too much. I just wanted to call in and ask you guys one question because, I might be the only guy really in America who is, like, a favorite of this guy, and I never hear him mentioned even in an honorable mention. I don't think, Juwan, I don't think you even mentioned him. What is it, if there's anything, that you guys uh, don't find appealing about uh, William Defoe when he played the Green Goblin back in 2002 in Spider-Man? Oh, man.
0: ah. Uh... Man, you know what's funny? You know it's funny? You're gonna make us have to do this list over again. Um I don't know why, but I completely forgot about him. I don't I don't know how, but I completely forgot about him. He definitely deserves a spot on this list. Um he that was the first time I had ever seen um a villain that gave me nightmares. Um that Green Goblin not only was that costume just really out there and weird as far as, like, nothing like what I saw in the cartoon, um, but his voice when he was talking was just so scary and creepy. Um, I actually, one of the action figures that I had from that movie was it was a Norman Osborn in a suit or in a dress shirt and dress pants and came with a chair. And the Green Goblin (laughs) mask, whenever you put it on the chair... It would it would speak in that goblin voice and it gave me nightmares day <laughs> after day after day. Wow, Chris called in at <laughs> at the perfect time and stopped us before we we chopped this down to five. Thank goodness you did. Um, so while you're here, uh, I'll go to you first, Leo. Can we take um, either Jigsaw or Hella out and put in Green Goblin? Oh, yeah, I would say we could definitely take out Jigsaw and throw bring Goblin in. I, I don't know. You know, as, I want to retract a little bit back to that uh, conversation about my favorite superhero, Spider-Man. That is not intentional. He has just had some of the best villains in the movies. Like, let's be real here. Vulture, Keaton's Vulture is great. And so is, uh, Al, what, what's the guy's name? Alfred Molino. Um, play, yeah, Alfred Molino. He was a great Doc Ock, so that's. I mean, hey, that's just how the cookie crumbles here. Um, yeah, I'm just jealous that my say, Batman villains made it on. So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll say, I'll say, yeah, he can definitely take the number eight spot. I almost want to say he can be maybe moved up over Kingpin. Yeah, I, I do think he deserves to be a lot higher than eight. Um I'm looking at this top just five take again. took Jigsaw off. Yeah, I took Jigsaw off completely. Green Goblin replaced him at number eight. Um Gerald, uh do you agree that Green Goblin, uh, from Spider Man one should be in this uh in this list? Of course.
1: William Dafoe is one of the most iconic actors ever and he brung it it's because of that Spider Man movie. We got so many great Marvel movies, you know, that follow that. So William Defoe hands down, is one of the greatest actors to Grace Hollywood. So definitely yeah, His Green Goblin deserves to be on the list.
0: See, you know what's funny? And thank you, Chris, for calling in uh, in, and helping us with that because I would have been really upset if we did this list and then, um, like, Spider-Man comes on TV and I'm like, wait a minute. How did I not (laughs) put him in this list? Um, but what's, what? funny about, what's, what's funny about what's funny about what's funny about what you were just saying, Gerald, is the way I feel about the villains in that first Spider-Man trilogy is the same way I feel about the villains in the Dark Knight trilogy, and that feeling is, if not for those iconic actors portraying, and I'm not really referring to uh, anybody from Spider-Man three, so just. Pretend that that movie isn't even in the, the the talk of this conversation. Um, Willem Dafoe, Alfred Molina, um, Jerry, uh, not Jared Leto, I'm sorry, uh, Heath Ledger, uh, Tom Hardy, Liam Neeson. If not for those iconic uh, actors portraying those iconic characters, would we have seen those movies as iconic as they were? I don't think so. Like, I don't believe nope. The Dark Knight saying, man, love me some Christian Bale. Without him, I don't know if this is even a movie. Like, no, I walked out saying that about Heath Ledger. I walked out yes, saying that about right. William William Dafoe. I walked out saying that about Molina. I walked out saying that about uh, – Bane is a little debatable, but that voice was just iconic. If anything else, that voice was iconic. Um, <laughs> For real. But I feel as though – because I'm not – that high on Christian Bale uh, I think no I think he's an amazing actor I'm not too high on him as as, as Batman uh, the same as you guys know I've never been a fan of the fact that Tillman Maguire I'm pretty sure was in his 30s playing a high schooler I've never liked that <laughs> like ever I thought Thank that was the most you. confusing thing ever um, just because it's like well you could have just went for an older Peter Parker you didn't have to make him this young kid I, I didn't get that You could have had that Uncle Ben scene be a flashback. You didn't have to actually make him be that young kid that goes through this. It was just weird to me, super weird. Um, I'd take Andrew Garfield over Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man any day, and then I'd take Tom Holland over the both of them. Um, But, yeah, okay, so (laughs) we have Green Goblin at number eight. So, Chris, I'll ask you first, since you gave us this gem, um, if you need me to read the list again, I will. Do you think Green Goblin deserves a spot in the top six? Five
2: Mm. Give give, give, give me that list again
0: Alright so we got Killmonger At number one General Mm -hmm. Dodd at number two Doc Ock at number three Loki at number four Vulture at number five
2: Whew boy Uh, Nah I I can't I can't remove any of those Out of the the five Uh, Me personally You know I just thought. You know, when I, when I read around and I talk to people all the time and even listen to you guys, I just never hear, and you can even Google stuff and you go down the list, and a lot of times they just never list, um, with, you know, Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin. And, that, and to me, I'm like, why? Like, to me, the dude was just like, you know, he was incredible in that movie and probably really, really one of the things that I, probably think I liked the most about the movie was his character. But you know, to take to put him in the top five and remove any of those guys, it would be kind of tough for me. If um, and you guys may think you know this is just my personal thing, but if I had to do it, and I, I don't think I would, but if I had to do it, for me personally, would probably be it would probably be Doc
0: Ock. Hmm. Okay. All right. I'm actually going to say this. I would take General Zod and move him at number eight, and move Green Goblet at number two. Main reason why is now that you've you've got my memory going and I'm replaying this movie in my head, that one scene where Willem Dafoe is looking in the mirror and he is having a conversation with himself. His his physical self is the one pleading, like, we we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't be trying to kill uh, all these innocent people. We shouldn't be trying to kill Peter Parker. You know, let's stop. And then the goblin version of him in the mirror, which is the same uh, human face, but it's the goblin mindset. It's telling him, no, think about what all these people did to you. Think about, you know, them trying to tear down your name, them getting rid of you. They don't deserve to be where they're at. And just him polluting himself. It was just such a strong scene to me. And I had loved it so much. And honestly, I just thought that in fight scene was classic. I mean, I don't know if it's more classic than Zod versus Superman cuz that just visually was beautiful. Right. But just pure impact of of a moment um where Goblin thinks he has Peter, his spidey sense goes off, he jumps up and the the glider kills yep. kills Norman. Spoiler alert for anyone who was born in like 2017, I guess. <laughs> um, but, uh, it was just like, it was one of those impactful scenes to where it was like when it happened, you even saw how, how, how hurt Peter was. This was a guy he looked up to, um, you know, and, and Norman loved and, 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 and appreciated Peter. Peter was the son that he had always wanted. A guy that was smart, always about his books, always looking to put science and everything first. Harry was more of the party kid. You know, he, you know, in some iterations, he was a sports guy. He never really wanted to, to follow his father's actual footsteps. So the impact of that was just really strong to me. But, I mean, I guess it can go head-to-head against the impact of Superman snapping Zod's neck. Um, True. So, I mean, that's a tough one. So I, I'm going to ask you guys this because the rest of these characters, I, I don't know, Vulture, no, not Vulture. Yeah, I can't even really argue Vulture out of this list. Zod is the only one I feel as though I can make a definitive argument against. Um, Leo, do you feel the same, or is there someone else that you could argue um, deserves to be out so Green Goblin can come in? Or do you even think Green Goblin deserves to be in the top five? Oh, oh, definitely. And that was my thought, just putting him on the list, but I just had to get somebody out the way to get him on. He definitely deserves a spot in the top five, and I would – say a big big yes for number two this i mean just
2: replaying the movie in my head i just i remember just being a child
0: and wanting to watch that movie over and over and over again and it was all default because i love i love the tom holland spider-man i liked um um andrew garfield but i really didn't like uh toby mcguire that much I mean, looking back yeah. and comparing, I was like, uh, Spider Man was there, but it, he wasn't that what made the movies. It was the villains, and Green Goblin just made that first vi- uh, that first movie. If he had even survived and came back in the second, I would watch it again. I would watch that and probably enjoy it just as much. I almost like wished and crossed my fingers that he would somehow, some way, come back. And you even see a little bit, hear a little bit of his laugh and presence in the third one when Harry. Um, assume the mantle, but yeah, he's got to be number two. So, you want Green Goblin at number two, over Zod. Over Zod. Alright, uh, Gerald, do you yeah. agree? Would you put Green Goblin over Zod? Um, yeah.
1: all chips on the table, I'll give him a shot, yeah. You could play saw
0: with Green Goblin. All right. You don't sound too convinced, but all right. Uh, <laughs> I think we have. <laughs> That's I all we have the chips on
1: I all my chips on the table. Hopefully, I can get a, a bingo with that or something. But I'm going with it.
0: Chris, I want to ask you before we let you go, so you can get back to these festivities. That because of the snow here, I've been looking at a blank screen. Uh, oh boy! Uh, you didn't. Vote Zod out. You were saying Doc Ock. Uh, did you mm-hmm. kind of want to go more into why Doc Ock is someone you would take out over General Zod? Um,
2: uh, it's not so much. It was just, I don't know. I like Zod's character. I just like the way, um, you know, I like the way that played him. I like the way they portrayed him in the movies. I like his interaction in the fight scenes with with, uh, with Superman. Doc Ock. Um, I'm definitely, I would probably definitely take Doc Ock out And the only reason I say that Growing up um, Is he wasn't my favorite villain But Doc Ock was a guy that I really liked And it's just maybe It's just a bias but I just don't think For me That still That he's been totally portrayed right Um, Not saying I didn't like the character I think think he was great And I liked him But it's just I don't. I can't really explain what it is. It's just something to me. It's just seems to, to me that you know doesn't speak to me that he's been portrayed about exactly the way that I grew up reading about him in the comic books. It was close, you know. At, at least with the Green Goblin, I can say is we good. He is exactly to me the way that I envisioned him and reading him, you know, in the comic books and then. You can go back to, you know, um, you can go watch back and watch some of the older stuff, man. Um, I'm talking like old stuff, like Spider-Man and his amazing friends when they he ended up there on the comic book, I mean, on the cartoons on, on a Saturday morning. Um, even so, when we got to Spider-Man, the, the animated series, they were pretty consistent in my book. And when I saw uh, Will, Willem Dafoe play that character, to me, it's just something that's never changed. It's just been more consistent for me. I think maybe with Doc, I, I, I just don't feel I've gotten totally what I'm looking for in that character.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's crazy because it's like out of this great list, there's mm-hmm. still reasons why you could move other people down and move others uh, forward. Yep. Excuse me. Um, I just, to me... The roller coaster that Alfred Molina took you on is Doc Ock. Um, albeit, I agree with you, wasn't maybe the most, I won't say comic actor because I hate that term. It wasn't the right. most memorable from what we knew the character to be. It was still his acting, is what, like, this, I'll give you a better example. Oh, yeah. Heath Ledger to me was, is not, was not, and will never be Joker. That was not Joker. I think that okay. Rome is a closer version than Joker, uh, than Heath Ledger's was. But Heath Ledger was such an amazing actor at being whatever at being the idea of Joker that he made people fall in love with that you know with that character. But if you think about what the Joker was in the comics, like the, fi- the right. fact that his paint was the fact that his paint was wipe was wipe away, like that wasn't his face wasn't white, that was paint. You saw it when he was sweating and you saw blotches of like white on, the, you know, not white, but, uh, you know, his tan skin. You know, um, his, him wanting to be just pure chaos. That was never really Joker. Uh, not chaos, I'm sorry, anarchy. There was an actual character right. called Anarchy because that was his, his thing. Uh, Joker, a lot of what he did was, uh, was more strategic. It was a plan to it. And it all was wrapped around the idea of wanting to get rid of Batman. Um, And I feel as though, unfortunately, Christopher Nolan went for a more realistic and grounded Joker, that he completely went away from who Joker really is in the comics. And I'll I'll forever say that, and people yell at me all the time, that was Joker, that was Joker. Well, you can say that was Joker, but then when I bring up Jerome, you go, well, that's not Joker. Well, then how was the other guy Joker? Is what I always say. I'd say the only, right. the only most accurate portrayal of the Joker outside of the animated version was was Jack Nicholson. That was the Joker. That to me was yeah. the Joker. Right. Um, yeah. But that's that's how I feel as though you may see Doc Ock. Like you liked his yeah. performance, but yeah. it just wasn't the Doc Ock that you're used to. Would would, would you say that was a fair uh, uh, breakdown of it? Yeah.
2: Oh, you nailed it. That's exactly what I was trying to say. You nailed it. Definitely. I definitely liked him um, in the movie. I definitely liked the roller coasters you mentioned that he took us on. Um, But to me personally, you know, I don't want to critique it too hard because I liked it, but it just hadn't nailed the character yet. And, you know, looking at the Green Goblin, to me, it just kind of, you nailed it. Um, But you guys pretty much made my night on that. I just was wondering if, People's feelings on because I just never hear him get mentioned, even a mention at all. And a lot of it maybe is because we're so much in the now, or or things that have transpired. Probably I would just even say in the last ten years. But maybe people seem to forget. But I wasn't sure if people just didn't like him. But I just wanted to put out there, get everybody's feelings on it, to see if anybody felt the way I felt, or what what was the reason why they didn't think
0: Willem Dafoe
2: was was a great uh,
0: Green Goblin. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, man. I I think uh, not only that actor, but uh, that portrayal of the Green Goblin is super slept on. And it's unfortunate that we all forgot um, about the Green Goblin. Uh, I mean, heck, when you look at this list, there was never any mention of of Joker at all. Uh, And I'm pretty sure all of us love Jack Nicholson, but there was no mention of Joker. Like no one voted or no one picked Joker. To, to possibly be on the list. I don't even think he was in my honorable mention. Um, so, so you know, that, like I, th- like I said at the beginning of the show, this is very difficult because every anytime you make a list, when you're done is when you always find out, like, oh, man, I forgot someone. So, I mean, you know, it, it, that's why I like doing it with a lot of people so you get a lot of different opinions on characters that you might have forgotten about, you know? No so... Chris, thank you so much for calling in, man. We appreciate no it a lot. You, you no saved us from possibly making a grave mistake by not having Green Goblin on this list. No <laughs> problem. A grave mistake, dude. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Uh, Thanks Chris, a lot, guys. Will
0: be we'll be talking to you hopefully tomorrow to talk to Black Panther.
2: Oh, most definitely. You can count me. I'm there.
0: All right. I'll
2: talk to you tomorrow. All right, guys. Thanks.
0: All right, that was Chris from the Sports Bar Podcast. Uh, Make sure you guys check him out. Uh, Check that show out. It's an amazing uh, sports podcast. It's right up there with our sports podcast. Uh, (laughs) So make sure you check these guys out. Um, All right, so Gerald, uh, Leo, our new list, Kiltmonger at number one, Green Goblin at number two, Doc Ock at number three, Loki at number four, Vulture at number five, Hell at number six, Kingpin at number seven, Doc Ock at number eight. Magneto at 9, and Kilgrave at 10. Uh, we have a little over 16 minutes to go. So, Leo, I'm going to start with you. One has to come off. Who's Who are you taking out? One has to come off? One has to come off. We're slimming this down to top five now. Oh, that's right. We're shaving down. Uh, we're shaving down. Oh, go ahead and get rid of Kingpin. I, I hate to say it, but Kingpin can go. Wow. As, as much as I like Kingpin, if one has to go, he's got, he's got to be my first. All right, Gerald, do you agree? Out of this whole list, is Kingpin the first one you go to? Um, yeah, I can agree with that. He he can he can go. Damn! All right, no no love lost for Gerald. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Gerald. So now I'll go to you uh, with the new vamp list that we have, taking out Kingpin. We are now at nine. So who are you taking out uh, next? Um, No
1: matter how great the performance was, I know we have to narrow it down to five, so I have to say Kilgrave has to go.
0: Mm. Damn, this is going to get hard, and I'm next. Damn. Uh, okay, <laughs> Leo, do you agree? Are you taking out <laughs> Kilgrave? Yeah, Kilgrave can go, as much as it hurts to take him off. Such a great villain. He actually made Jessica Jones for me. But, yeah, you got to go. All right, so Kilgrave is off this list. Um, we are now down to eight. I'm going to go with he- uh Not Hella, sorry. I almost said it. Uh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, because uh, it's kind of just it's getting harder now. I'm going to go with Hela. Uh Like I said before, um, we could have seen so much more from her character, and by the time we got to the final battle, she had only fought Thor for, I want to say, maybe four to five minutes before we got to the ending, which was her versus Surtur, uh to which she is, I guess, dead. We're, we're presuming she's dead. Um, presumably she's dead, I mean. I'm sorry. Uh, Leo, are, are you riding with that? Is Hella coming off? Hella can come off. Um, for the sheer fact that I love the other ones a lot more, um, I did love her performance in that scene where the whole army was going up against her. I mean, even though we knew the outcome of that, uh, it was still a great display of her power, a, a mildly great display of her power. Um, but she, she just, she's got to come up. She's not as good as the others. All right, uh, Gerald, do you agree?
1: I mean, it, it hurts to say this. Like, it does. It, it hurts. But um, I've got to piggyback on what you said. If they showed her becoming Death, you know, the movie would have been much better. So, they got to go where she has to go. So, she has to go back to the underworld.
0: All right. So, she is up. We're down to seven. Our new list is Killmonger, Green Goblin, Doc Ock, Loki, Vulture, Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. I have Doc Ock on here twice. I mean, um, it's supposed to be, uh, what you call it, Um, General Zod. All right, so hold on. Sorry, so we got Killmonger, Green Goblin, Doc Ock, Loki, Vulture, General Zod, Magneto. That is our seven. Uh, Leo, it is back to you. Who are you taking off next? Leo? Um, did you hear me? I can hear you now. Hello? All right, right. great. Yep, I can hear you. I would definitely have to go with Zod. Uh, Magneto has such great performances. I don't want to get rid of him. Um, (laughs) I don't necessarily want to get rid of Vulture either, Um, nor the top four, so I got to go with uh, Zod. I am in agreement. That is the only one I could see leaving that my heart doesn't shatter to see go. Um, Gerald, do you agree? There's no arguments here, man. All right. I'm glad you said that because now you're deciding who is our last one to go. I hate you. I know.
1: Why? Why? Okay. So, what are the remaining six?
0: Killmonger, Green Goblin, Doc Ock, Loki, Vulture, and Magneto. Oh,
2: damn.
1: Um, this I have that pit in my stomach when you get called up to read in front of the class. Like, Um. Yep, I gotta go with Doc.
0: The moment you're in. Yeah, you so go, go with Doc Ock. Doc Ock. Oof. Let's see how Leo feels about that one. Leo, you going Doc Ock? Nah, I can't get rid of Doc Ock, man. He's just—he's one of those iconic villains, and I think of superhero movie villain. He's one of the ones that pops in my head the first, so I—I got to keep him on the list. All right, well, I'm looking. Killmonger is untouchable. That—that—that that, that will not move. And you could say. We're we're prisoners of the moment, sure, whatever. But I believe in 10 years, I'll still say Killmonger should be in uh, it, number one, if not top five, because maybe Thanos comes in, and I want him to be number one. But Killmonger definitely doesn't leave my top five. Um, Shock Ock is a classic. Goblin is a classic. Magneto is a classic. So to me, it's between Vulture and Marvel. So... Gerald, I'm going to say I'm not taking Doc Ock off either. Crap, I should have just agreed with you. Now I have to decide who goes. Uh, right. Right. I'm going to go with Vulture. Because um, as I look at this, no, you know what? No, I take that back. I'm going to go Loki. I'm going to go Loki. Um, I do not like the character arc. that It seems as though this character is going down. Um, I do not like the idea of someone who is so mischievous and evil in the comics being someone that in the movie world, we're somewhat making an anti-hero. Um, so I don't like that. And that's literally like the only bad thing I can say about Tom Hiddleston as Loki. So yeah, I'm going to go with him. I got to keep Michael Keaton. Sorry. If we can't have Batman villains on it. We are doggone sure going to have Batman on it. So I'm not getting rid of Michael Keaton. Um, <laughs> Uh, Leo, do you agree? Are you taking Loki, or you got someone else in mind?
3: Oh,
0: boy. Uh, you know, I like, I kind of like the route that Loki's going on, even though I love his character in the um, new Doctor Strange comics. Uh, I got to keep him on the list, so I guess I will probably get rid of Vulture. Jeez. Jeez, okay. All right. Um, Gerald, it comes down to you, man. Vulture or Loki? Which? Uh, wait, you said Vulture, right, Leo? Yeah, Vulture. Okay, sorry. I just had to make sure. Uh, Gerald, it comes down to you. Who are you getting rid of, Vulture or Loki? Uh,
1: uh, I got to get rid of... I got to go with... Uh, damn. Hard, so hard. Um, you know what? Shoot myself in the foot. Got to take uh, Vulture off.
0: Dang, I can't have anything. Seems like all right. So Vulture comes off this list. Hold on, let me
1: verify
0: it. All right, so our top five greatest superhero villains. Uh. In superhero, our greatest villains in superhero movie history. Sorry, is Killmonger at number one, Green Goblin at number two. Thank you, Chris. Doc Ock at number three, Loki at number four, and Magneto at number five. Uh, Leo, I'll start with you. How you feeling about our list? I love it. Untouchable. This is this is a prime list. I cannot believe I didn't think Green Goblin like. Oh man, I just I, I want to go rewatch Spider Man after this cast and just remember how beautiful that performance was. So I I love the list as it is. All right, Gerald, how you feeling about the list, man? You good with it?
1: Um, it's pitch perfect to me. So top five, you can't beat the top five greatest villains right now. So. That that the top five we got should be the new uh, Masters of Evil or Legion of Doom, whatever you want to call them.
0: All right, listen, guys, this has been another fun episode, um, and wow, bringing it down the to top five—that was very difficult. I say to make things harder next week. And huge shout out to my uh, my good friend Andrew who gave me this idea. I say next week we do top ten greatest video games of the nineties. Only the nineties. Only the nineties. And I'll say this. I'll say this because someone did ask me. Can we add in two thousand? If there is a game that came out in two thousand that means that much to you, I will give you that leeway um, of an opening for the year 2000, but man, Andrew was, he was telling me this, guys, because I, I immediately, you know, said the typical games that we're all going to say that came out in the 90s, you know, the Mario Kart, Mario Party, Mario 64, stuff like that, and then he started naming some other games, like Spyro came out, Crash Bandicoot Oh, came out. man, Crash. Uh, M- Mega Man, I believe, came out for PlayStation, uh, no, not in the 90s. I'm sorry. I think that was in like the early 2000s. I'm wrong for that. I apologize. Uh, Sonic and the Hedgehog. Um, Spider-Man. Yes, yeah, Spider-Man. Yeah, Super Smash Brothers. Um, oh. People, I think I'm wrong about this, but didn't Pokemon Stadium come out in the 90s, the first one? Yep, 99. Out, uh, yeah, 99. Yeah, I have to, so I have Pokemon to put that there.
2: I would oh, never yeah, put
0: Pokemon, Pokemon Snap in there. That. I never liked Pokemon Snap. But you gotta see we're what we're starting already. This is this is gonna be amazing. So I'm saying we're we're gonna talk more about this as a group off air. But I'm thinking the next two weeks we do top ten greatest uh, video games of the 90s, and then maybe the week after, sometime after that, top ten greatest animes. And. Yeah wow, when I thought I knew the top 10 greatest animes, my friend Andrew came in and was like, no, what about this? And I was like, oh, crap, I forgot that was an anime. And then he was like, what about this? I was like, oh, crap, I forgot that was an anime. So these next two weeks are going to be a lot of fun. We're trying to create a list of um, top 10. So I'm going to ask you both just really quickly because it'll probably definitely change because, of course, things have to be voted in. But next week, Leo, if you had to project it, what would you say would be the number one pick for the greatest video game of the nineties? Whoa, uh greatest video game of the nineties? Uh shoot, probably Mario Kart sixty or excuse me, Super Mario sixty four. Mm. See? Listen, I'm with you. I love that game so much, so much. Tell me that penguin slide thing that you could do with Mario wasn't like some of the coolest and, and most fun things to do, the penguins being shot out of the cannon. Um, oh, Gerald, man, If you, if so you had to project and make a guess at the number one game of the 90s, what would you think it would be?
1: I would have to go with Diddy Kong Racing for the simple fact that led the way to one of the best PlayStation racing games, which is Crash Team Racing.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Just so I'm just abundantly clear. Um, You would take Diddy Kong Racing over Mario Kart? Yeah. Diddy Kong Racing was
1: one of the – that's the crazy thing, though. I played Disney, I played Diddy Kong Racing before I did Mario Kart.
0: So you still think it was better?
1: Yeah, because Mario Kart, you played for fun. Diddy Kong Racing, you played for vengeance. Like,
0: (laughs) Well, personally, personally, the game I played for vengeance was Goldeneye. If I ever asked Ooh, you to play me in GoldenEye, oh it, you did that something so wrong harsh. to
3: me.
0: You did something wrong to me at some point. So I made sure I was in that bathroom, in the vent, ready to take anybody out. So <laughs> GoldenEye, Eye was how we decided who got the last Capri Sun and bag of Doritos. Um, <laughs> GoldenEye was what you did when you were like, yo, you remember last week you killed me and we never got that rematch? Yeah, put that put that in real quick. So that was my go-to game. But Donkey Kong Race, and remember this, guys, when I say top, uh, top video games, that does not limit it to the, the bigger systems. You could throw Game Boy uh, Color games in there or Game Boy uh, games in there. Like I want to throw mm-hmm. Paper, what is it, Paper Boy? Not Paper Boy. I think that's from the show Atlanta. What was that, that video game called? Where you were literally just riding your bike throwing newspapers. It was a Game Boy game.
1: I think so, it was called Paper
0: Boy. Or Paper Route, something like that. I loved that game. It was the most simplest game ever. It was so much fun. But, yeah, Uh, there's so many games. Paperboy, okay, cool. So next week's going to be fun, guys. So many uh, game titles to choose from. Making that top ten list is definitely going to take a full two hours. We will not have time to slim that list down to five. Um, And next week, Eric will be joining us. Eric will be back. Um, He took the night off for this week. Andrew will be joining us because he wants to debate video games. So it will be a packed house. Um, And making that top ten list is going to be super difficult. difficult. So I want you guys, I want the listeners at home, and I want everyone on this panel to dust off. If you have the system still, dust them off. Go play them again. Get that feeling back. Or if you don't have them, just Google games that came out in the 90s and then scroll down the list and put check marks next to yours. Um, I'm going to have at least a list of 20 to pick from, 20, maybe 25. I can even think of them now. Um, There's just so many amazing games to pick from. Um, But, guys, it has been another amazing week with you guys. Thanks for joining me, Gerald, and Leo. Um, Leo, really quick, did you have anything you wanted to plug before we ended the show? I just want to say, guys, thanks, everyone, for coming out. And by the way, um, next week, uh, I'm definitely going to already throw in Chrono Trigger on my list. So <laughs> it's going to be quite <laughs> the debate, everyone. Come on Absolutely, out. absolutely. Uh, Gerald, did you have anything you wanted to add before we logged off?
1: Um, I just want to thank everybody for listening and just being a part of this uh, successful, you know, podcast.
0: Absolutely, man. We got a lot of great things planned. And also stick to, stay tuned for Geek Vibes Live tomorrow. Um, where we'll be talking Black Pants and a whole bunch of other things. And stay tuned. We will be interviewing, hopefully we can lock it in, Chris Williams, a.k.a. Black Lightning, this upcoming week. Do not miss it. Stay tuned, and we will see you guys same place. Same time next week, next Saturday, top ten
1: heard
0: see y'all.